This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Like the changing of the season, we are now no longer waiting. Like the changing of our current season, we are now heating up. The Republican primary is all but full, and we've got everything. Front runners, also rants, people who are literally just there so they can get on television, and names that you will almost assuredly forget seconds after they drop out of this race. And amongst all of it, we have a returning challenger. Somebody who was once thought to be the future of the Republican Party, only to find out that history had other plans. Well, now he's back for another bite at the apple, and by bite at the apple, we mean swing at the person that replaced him. Chris Christie is in New Hampshire, and that's a place he will likely stay. What did his rollout look like? And what are his chances? Spoiler alert, I don't love him. One thing that the Chris Christie fans will tell you is just wait until he gets on stage. Because in late August, that's exactly what's going to happen. The first Republican primary debate looms large, and we have the qualifications for how each candidate is going to get up on there. Has the RNC learned any lessons from what went on during the DNC debates four years ago. That began with a two-night super-stuffed extravaganza that I don't think did many people any favors. We not only break down those requirements, but also the borderline scammy things that are going to happen to make sure that somebody gets their five minutes of fame. That's all coming up on this edition of the program. For Dog and Pony Show Audio, I'm Justin Robert Young, and this is Politics, Politics, Politics. And if your leaders are not willing to admit to you that they're fallible, that they make mistakes, that they hurt like you, that they bleed like you, and that they suffer disappointments and letdowns. Beware. Beware of the leader in this country who you have handed leadership to, who has never made a mistake, who has never done anything wrong, who when something goes wrong, it's always someone else's fault, and who has never lost. I've lost. You people did that to me in 2016. I believe Chris Christie has a shot. I'll say it. I'll say it. I believe when Joe Biden and the DNC open up their primary, that Chris Christie will effectively rally a base around a message that Donald Trump is a venal liar who's eroding democracy. And that's why I came back to New Hampshire to tell all of you that I intend to seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States in 2024, and I want your support. 
Oh, oh, he's running an, he's a Republican. Okay, gotcha. All right, yeah. No, he has no chance. He has absolutely no chance. Here's the problem with the message that Donald Trump is a liar. He's a doo-doo face who deserves to eat more poop. First, persuasion is politics. Narrative is politics. Every politician, at the very least, lies by omission. If not, something more direct. Just go ahead and ask Chris Christie how that bridge got shut down. Second, when a voter likes what they hear, they sand away the edges. They focus on the positive. It's why issues, not candidates, matter. And that's really important because we often think of candidates as these magic entities. We think of their charisma, their connection, their catchphrases, their speeches, how they make us feel. And ultimately, you do need all of that to eventually come together at the end. But that's the final product. That's not the alchemy that gets them there. It's the difference between the details and a story. Sure, it's the details and the iconography are the things that we're going to eventually remember this by, but to deny the fact that it was a story that got us into the position to care about these things is to ignore the process entirely. Buckle up. I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here. Star Wars is the greatest gift to Western mythology in our lifetime, mostly because, in my opinion, it blended two cherished genres that were born of Western mythology. Science fiction and fantasy. The blend of these two elevated the Star Wars stories beyond anything that came before and has endured remarkably since. The original trilogy has the engine of Western samurai and war movies. Now, there's a lot smarter people than I that can explain why this is something that people care about so much, but that's basically the gist. So... Why do the Star Wars prequels, sequels, and spinoffs often, but not always, suck? Oh, Mooy, Mooy, I love you! You almost got us killed. Are you brainless? I speak! The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Now get out of here. No, no, Mr. Stay! My opinion, it's because they believe Star Wars itself is a genre. Gone is the understanding that every Star Wars story should have the futuristic realism of science fiction with the mystical connection to an elemental power of fantasy. Gone are the stories that hew to the battle plan of a samurai movie, a Western movie, or a war movie. Yes, they're formulaic. But when you put them in this world, they seem fresh. But we don't get fresh. We get stale product because it's replaced with the mistaken skin-deep genre of Star Wars. Again, mistaking the final product for the elements that created it. 
It usually boils down like this. Lots of lightsabers. Everybody thinks of lightsabers when they think of Star Wars, so every character should have them. Old people, young people, babies. The characters you don't expect to have them should have a lightsaber. And the characters that you do expect to have them should have lightsabers shooting out of other lightsabers. One character has the Force, the other one doesn't. You know, like Luke and Han. Someone's wearing a brown robe like Obi-Wan, and sometimes a lot of people are wearing a brown robe like Obi-Wan, just to show that, you know, there's a lot of Obi-Wans up in this house. And then we eventually go to a desert planet like Tatooine. Lately, Star Wars has even stopped inventing new desert planets, and the main characters just go to Tatooine. Which, by the way, Tatooine was initially a stand-in for George Lucas's hometown of Modesto, California. So, in the initial Star Wars movie, Luke believing that he was the furthest point away from the center of the universe, that's Modesto. Can you imagine an Earth-bound series that was super popular, where characters in movie and television show spinoff just kept visiting Modesto for random reasons? Digression to a digression. The only other things that Modesto is known for is Carlo Rossi wine and being the hometown of murdered intern Chandra Levy back in 2002, who was having an affair with Representative Gary Condit. Boom! Brought it back to politics. Here's the thing. If you only focus on the lightsabers and the Modesto, you miss the opportunity to tell a compelling story. All artifice, no substance. I can understand the frustration of trying to figure out how to shake Donald Trump because he is a vexing candidate. And the reason why is because he does connect with the Republican electorate because he is telling a very simple story. All politicians are corrupt and I'm going to fix it. Now, wait, 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 wait. I know, I know, I know the visceral reaction that you have to that statement. And it seems patently ridiculous now that he's been a politician for nearly eight years. But unless you understand that connection with the audience, with the GOP electorate in this case, then there is no way you can unwind it. You can't make a new Star Wars without understanding why the initial Star Wars was good. You can't make something that is designed to parody Star Wars. You can't make something that is opposite Star Wars if you don't grok why it was popular. Where are they? I don't know, sir. They must have hyperjets on that thing. And what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? No, sir. We'll find them, catch them! Yes, sir! Prepare ship for light speed! No, 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 light speed is too slow! Light speed too slow? Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed! <gasps> ludicrous speed! Now, despite his lack of poll momentum, this is the reason why I think Ron DeSantis is the only person who has put an argument forth that I do think can beat Donald Trump. And the reason why is because he is talking to the electorate in a way that I have seen conservatives talk to each other. They like Trump. He just didn't deliver. 
He's in over his head. He got corrupted by people that took advantage of his lack of experience. And so the reason why Ron DeSantis has positioned himself in the way that he has, I think, is the best shot to do it. Now, is it possible? Right now, all signs point to probably not. What I don't think will yield any kind of success is Chris Christie's strategy. He is talking to a general election audience at best or a hyper DC focused liberal audience at worst. He's the impotent rage of the bulwark and the Lincoln project. It didn't work then and it won't work now. That and nobody was at this man's announcement. They had to crop that shot tighter than a mouse's waistcoat. Politicsseriously.com is where you need to go if you want to support this program. If you want to get two bonus episodes each and every week, come on down, friends. Come on down. Take politicsseriously.com for only three bucks a week. Double your content. But first, here's your update. Mike Pence has filed his papers. He is in. Doug Burgum has officially announced. He is in. I have not seen either of their announcements. I will see them and review them on the Patreon episode on Thursday. Hate to do another commercial here, but again, only so many hours in the day. I got to produce this earlier on Wednesday, but Thursday, if you are a patron, then you will get all of that. I will give you guys this update. Chris Licht has stepped down from his position as the chairman and CEO of CNN Worldwide, ending a challenging tenure as the network's first leader under parent company Warner Brothers Discovery. Licht's departure follows a controversial profile in The Atlantic and dissatisfaction among staff over his handling of a recent town hall with President Donald Trump. Licht, who has been with the network for just over a year, faced difficulties such as failing ratings, staff layoffs, and the closure of CNN Plus, a costly subscription streaming service which never streamed a minute. During his tenure, Licht attempt to revamp CNN's morning show and nighttime schedule, both of which were met with limited success. The man never had a shot. Uh, He was put in by a parent company that basically wanted to shave costs out of CNN. They chucked Jeff Zucker out the window. Jeff Zucker, by all accounts, spent the last year running a a shadow rebellion designed to feed negative stories about Chris Licht into the, the press and foment rebellion. But then again, Licked to somebody that ultimately will live and die by his own decisions. By every available measure, he wasn't qualified for this job. Zucker is a media veteran. He is somebody that really, really, really knows how the game is played. He ran NBC. CNN was a step down for him. Chris Licht came from producing the late show with Stephen Colbert. Now, all of a sudden, having to run a hard news organization... Well, it didn't happen. 
And more than that, I think he ultimately probably could have gotten away with being a lot crazier. His mandate from on top, based on available reporting, was to shed salary, get rid of a bunch of money. And he did it with some firings, but he didn't chase away Don Lemon. He chased him from the evening to the morning where Don Lemon flamed out and eventually got fired. He still has essentially the same hard news team, the same politics team, and that's really what got CNN the reputation for being a left-of-center network. David Zaslov, who has made his money doing pretty middle-of-the-road, moderate, if not red state-leaning shows like How to Restore an Old Rocking Chair and 11 Steps starring some couple from Waco, and the 11 spinoffs of how to sand the edges of some old rocking chair with a couple from Waco. Like that's, that's his bread and butter. He wanted CNN to appeal more to that demo because he knows that demo. Well, it never happened. The direction of CNN never really found its footing. And now it is again in the wind. What will happen Will Warner Brothers sell CNN? I said a couple months ago when the merger happened that CNN is something that they could sell. I still think it's interesting. It's even more interesting now. It is often said that you never want to be the guy after the guy. You want to be the guy after the guy after the guy. And that's said because no matter what, the person who takes over for a legend or somebody who made a big splash will always be compared to that person. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. I think it's it's usually true in organizations that don't have a lot of institutional power. And it doesn't look like this is one of those organizations. So licks out. I don't know what this means for CNN going forward. Uh, they've already started this town hall series where, you know, Mike Pence is going to have one tonight on Wednesday when I'm recording this. So I assume they're going to have to keep going with them. But the Trump one left a, a bad taste in people's mouths because what the hell else do you expect in a town hall with Republican voters and the most popular person in the Republican Party? them to sit on their hands and and squint at him? No. CNN has made themselves an enemy of Trump. And so people who like Trump are going to cheer him and boo you. I don't know what else you're supposed to do. And I mean, I guess here's the biggest thing that I think CNN needs to figure out. The new leadership needs to figure out. Is CNN an active participant in this conversation or are they the summarizers of a national conversation? Because since Trump, they have positioned themselves very explicitly as being a part of this conversation. Donald Trump is arguing with our hosts. That means we're relevant. And maybe that's just where television news is going. Maybe there is no room to be the summarizer. You have to be a part of it. We will see. 
TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go to support this show. Get those bonus episodes where we talk about Doug Burgum and we talk about Mike Pence. Three bucks a week, less than a cup of coffee. That's all you need. Would you buy me a cup of coffee if I talked to you for two extra episodes? Because if the answer to that is yes, then the place you go do it is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Wake up, babe. New RNC debate rules just dropped. The Republican National Committee's new rules for the upcoming debates requires candidates to have at least 40,000 donors, including a minimum of 200 from 20 distinct states to qualify for the August 23rd debate stage. Candidates also need to secure at least 1% in three qualifying polls, two of which must be national after July 1st, and commit to supporting the eventual Republican nominee. So let's break those down in reverse order. Commit to supporting the eventual Republican nominee. That's the Trump clause. They want Trump to sign it. They want the never Trumpers to sign it. So they all say that no matter what, this is about the Republican Party. Who knows if Trump signs it? TBD. They need the polls to qualify to be after July 1st. So any poll that is out right now doesn't count. That means that there's probably a reason why a bunch of people have gotten in like this week, because that means they have now maximized. I mean, like, like it is kind of crazy. Three people got in this week. One of them, Chris Christie on Tuesday, Mike Pence and Doug Burgum on Wednesday. It is kind of political malpractice to not launch on your own day, but I do think that there's a practical element of they need to make sure that they have times that they are going out to Iowa, to Nevada, to New Hampshire and South Carolina. Like they they need to make sure that they are going out and doing that so they can at least register at 1% in these polls. Meanwhile, two of them have to be national. The question is right now, how many of the following candidates are going to make the stage. Here's our list as we speak. Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Perry Johnson, Larry Elder, Asia Hutchinson, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, Mike Pence, Doug Burgum. That's 11. A reminder that when the Dems did their first debates, which by the way, were in July. No, they were in June. June of 2019. So we would already be into two debate season if this were the 2020 cycle. They did two nights of 10 candidates on stage. Right now, we are over 10 on stage of people that have already declared. So what else were the Democrats' rules in 2019? Well, candidates had to reach 1% support in three separate national or early state polls. They had to obtain contributions from at least 65,000 individual donors with 200 each from 20 different states. And then if more than 20 candidates uh, got into it, they had a a various different, uh, you know, uh, uh, ways to tie break. 
But let's go ahead and talk about the donor situation, because that's something that I think is, is very fascinating. I got some conspiracy theories about. Currently, Michigan businessman Perry Johnson is offering merchandise for $1 a pop. It is a t-shirt with Tucker Carlson's face on it. Who, by the way, is on Twitter. He actually debuted a show on Twitter. I haven't watched it yet. But you don't even know that you're supporting Perry Johnson. You buy a $1 Tucker t-shirt and that makes you a donor to Perry Johnson's campaign. Because he's trying to hit this threshold. 40,000 donors with a minimum of 200 from 20 distinct states. So you can't just maximize one state. You're spending a lot of money on online and Facebook ads. Now, fundraising schemes involving the exchange of goods for small donations is not a way to actually raise money. In fact, it loses you money. Campaigns spend heavily on merchandise and the advertising they need to sell that merchandise. But these small donations can help long-shot candidates gain visibility by earning them a spot on these coveted debate stages. Now, some candidates don't need this trickery. Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, they both say that they've already passed the 40,000 donor threshold. And if they've done it, then you can pretty much also chalk off Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and some of the big heavyweights. You can probably count on people with gigantic name recognition like Mike Pence, Chris Christie, who have a shorter window now to meet these thresholds, but they've got the names that they can do it. These new RNC rules present a significant challenge to the lesser known candidates. They must increase their spending to meet the donor threshold. And here's where I get into my conspiracy theory. Because I wonder, both with the DNC and the RNC, how much these requirements are really about proving that people care and how much of them are a jobs program for consultants. Because what is a party without the people that make money from servicing the people that look to benefit from the party? You're a rich guy. You want to get there on that stage, right? You don't go to YouTube and say how to run a Facebook campaign. No. Someone you know tells you some guy and they say, oh, you know, he ran Trump's digital operation in Pennsylvania in 2016. You hire him. You give him a bunch of money. All of it gets lit on fire. And hopefully by the end of it, you have 40,000 individual donors and it gets you on the stage. Perry Johnson's campaign has spent nearly $28,000 on Facebook ads in the past week, according to Politico. Now, despite that climb, the 40,000 donor threshold is not a lot. 2.5 million individual donors gave to the RNC in the 2022 cycle. However, the rush for online donations might cause candidates to spend more than they raise. In fact, I'm almost positive that this is going to happen to the majority of the lesser known candidates. How do I know? Because it happened four years ago. 
the Democratic candidates in the 2020 primary race almost universally reported lighting gigantic sums of cash on fire so they could get the priceless television time where they got yelled at and humiliated by other bigger candidates. Is this a good idea? Is this a smart way to get people on stage? No, not particularly. But as we get into the pageantry of our political process, the world needs Sanjayas too. And this is the pay to play way to get them on stage. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by Brett Stewart. If you'd like to email the program, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. On Twitter, you can find the show at px3tweets, and you can find me at Justin R. Young. On Twitch, you can find me live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at px3live. If you would like to read my writing, I'm writing again. Look at me. My degree, it's being used. px3newsletter.com is where I am on Substack. And you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. Support me with a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20. Cash app is px3cash. And you can send me anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 787 one five. You can always get our bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And that's a lot this time of year. $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the podcast, like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Folks like Jason, Andres, Matt, John Gross, C. Garcia, Matthew T. El Basso, John, Craig Potts, MC Radio, Bugs Life, Neemeister, Unsafe DB Level, Amanda, Yield Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Edison, Up, Up, Down, Down, Left, Right, Left, Right, BA, Select, Start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arzlanian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted, Utah, Demi, Montana, the Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. You want your name read on this show? Well, friends, only one place to do it. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That's it, and that's all, my friends. By the time this posts, I'm going to be back in my homeland of South Florida. Uh, We don't talk a lot about sports on this show, but both the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers, the two South Florida teams are in the finals at the same time. They were both eight seeds, which for the non-sports literate is the crappiest way that you can make the playoffs. And yet they have survived. The Panthers are currently down 0-2. And the Heat are tied 1-1 as I record this. But I will be at the Florida Panthers game on uh, Saturday night, which at this point will either be a chance for the Panthers to tie the series or I might have a chance to see the Stanley Cup be presented to the Vegas Golden Knights. 
I remember watching Miami Heat game. Lionel Messi has signed with an MLS team that is playing in the butt end of Broward, the county I was raised in. So it's an immaculate time in South Florida sports. So uh, uh, I'm going down there, even though I'm not a Florida Panthers fan, so I can bask with my people in a moment of excitement. So I'm thrilled to be doing that. I will be reporting from South Florida on Sunday. And then we'll be back at it again uh, for uh, our Wednesday episode. That'll be it. All right. Till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, reminding you, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics. But this, this is the only show that dares disgust. Oh! Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.